Well, the Environmental Protection Agency estimates that agriculture contributes nearly 11% of the United States' total greenhouse gas emissions, and it will be one of the most vulnerable industrial sectors to the effects of climate change. A recent study from the University of Massachusetts Amherst suggests that Midwestern farms have lost a staggering 57.6 billion metric tons of topsoil since the advent of modern agriculture 160 years ago. And in a 1999 lawsuit settlement, the U.S. Department of Agriculture admitted historic loan discrimination against black farmers and agreed to pay out some $2 billion in settlement payments. Given all that, you might think that conservation programs proven to reduce carbon emissions and retain topsoil would be made available to the current generation of farmers, especially those who suffered from historic discrimination. Not so, says a new investigative report from Investigate Midwest. Madeline Heim, an environment reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, contributed to the report. And Madeline joins us now by phone. Welcome to the 8 o'clock buzz. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about the programs that we're looking at in particular are the Environmental Quality and Incentives Program and the Conservation Stewardship Program. What do these programs do? Yeah, so uh, these two programs um, uh, called EQIP and CSP, those are kind of their colloquial names, a little bit of alphabet soup, but um, yeah, they are um, the two most used programs um, from the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. So um, they essentially help farmers make changes on their land um, to protect the land itself. Um, The best thing that I've heard to describe the two programs is that um, EQIP is like menu items on a restaurant. CSP would be the whole restaurant. So EQIP fixes individual problems on, um, on someone's land. So for example, you know, a manure management facility, something like that. Um, CSP um, is kind of a reward system where producers that are already um, undergoing conservation practices like cover crops um, are wanting to expand and kind of bring the rest of their farm into cover crops again, for example, um, and then they get um, money and kind of a reward for, for doing so. So they're both kind of two different types of programs to help farmers improve the land that they're on. Um, but they are, again, the, the two most popular programs of the, the USDA and RCS. And what are some of the environmental benefits of these programs? Yeah, so they can really do a lot. Um, they can reduce soil erosion. They can improve nearby streams and wetlands. Um, they can um, even have, you know, some climate change impacts. Like, for example, if, um, you know, let's take agroforestry. Um, if a farmer is interested in planting some trees on a part of his land that does not, um, you know, produce as well, um, those trees would store carbon um, and that would be overall better for the environment. So, yeah, in, in our uh story, we had pointed to a 2020 NRCS report um, just looking at EQIP conservation actions between 2014 and 2018, but um, that report found that they increased soil and carbon retained in the farm fields um, and provided wildlife habitat, which obviously are all very good things when we're thinking about how agriculture kind of exists on the land. 
All right, so here we've got you know some programs that are proven to be effective uh, at their stated goals. They're tremendously popular, and yet they can't seem to get the money out the door and get it to the people who needs it. What's going on? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, it, it, these programs are very very um, desired by farmers. There are hundreds of thousands of farmers that apply for them every year. Um, you know, in part because they are worried about the land that they're on, want to make sure they're taking care of it, and in part because you know, as we know implementing some of these practices are very expensive and so when that comes with um, a cost share some money to be able to do that uh, it's really really helpful for them um, but yeah we um, in our in our story we looked at uh, we requested some data from the USDA um, between the fiscal years 2018 and 2022 and only about three in 10 of the farmers that applied for these programs got funded. Um, for EQIP, it was about 31% um, of over 600,000 applicants, which again, just speaks to how in demand they are. Um, and for the CSP program, it was about 28%. Um, and in Wisconsin, those numbers are a little bit better. Um, for fiscal year 2022, it was 30%. 7% of people who applied for the EQIP funds got their application funded and 35% of CSP. Um, and it's worth noting, too, that, um, you know, our state NRCS folks do say that there's a discrepancy in how the state tracks it and that EQIP may be more like 50%. But, but still, I mean, that's half. Uh, half of producers getting turned down of farmers who who really really want this. So so why why are farmers getting turned down? Is it just uh, they're out of money? Um, the applications aren't very good. They don't meet the needs of the program. What's happening? Yeah. So so part of it is certainly lack of funding. Um, you know, for so many farmers who are interested in these programs. Another thing that I heard, you know, speaking with Wisconsin agriculture folks, um, is that you know NRCS staff are pretty understaffed at the moment. Um, and then, you know, another layer that I found really interesting is that, you know, without enough staff, um, there's not enough time for them to walk farmers and landowners through the process. So I think what, what we're seeing sometimes um, is that, you know, farmer a farmer will submit an application, um, but it may not have been tailored, you know, exactly to the way that um, gets these applications funded, there are certain priorities um, in every county, you know, a certain county might want, you know, this year, we're really going to focus on funding buffer strips or things like that. And um, one of my sources told me that, you know, in a perfect world, there would be enough NRCS staff to, you know, walk with the landowner on their land, tell them, you know, it's really great that you want to put in some pollinator habitat, but this year we're really focused on buffer strips. And so if you added a buffer strip to your application, you know, that could bump you up in line. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a difficulty. And then one of the other things I wanted to make sure I mention is um, I, I did hear a little bit of confusion and frustration on, you know, just how difficult it can be to, to hear back from NRCS um, once you uh, put in an application um, you know, I've heard that folks may not hear back for a couple months, but the catch is that if you start the project in the meantime, if you're like, well, I, I want to just get started on this, um, that automatically disqualifies you because they see that you have the money to do it. And so they'll, they'll pull your application. Um, and then the last thing, um, is that, you know, 
it, when you get a rejection letter, um, I've heard that there's not a lot of um, specificity on, you know, here's what you did wrong, here's how you could improve for next year. So I, I certainly think that a, la- a lack of funding is a big part of it. But I do think, you know, kind of an undercovered issue is, um, you know, some of this confusion or lack of communication um, around the applications themselves that that may stem from NRCS being understaffed. Which, of course, is a funding issue in and of itself, right? I mean, I mean, right. that's what the funding goes for, pretty much, is probably right. staff. Uh, so you also talk about in your story about how this lack of funding and lack of uh, staff ability to sort of tailor these applications and assist people through the application process is hitting African-American farmers in particularly hard. Why is that? Is that... Is that a uh, sort of just a, a holdover of historic and institutional uh, discrimination, or is there something else happening? Yeah, I think, you know, and I, I don't think I'm able to answer that fully, um, but I think that um, it certainly is partially a product of what has happened with the USDA um, and black farmers in the past. So just a couple of quick statistics about, um, you know, the prevalence of black farm owners throughout the U.S. Um, there were just under 50,000 black farmers across the U.S., um, according to the most recent census of agriculture, which is now a few years old. But um, that's about 1.4 percent of the country's producers. Um, and in Wisconsin, um, according to that same census, um, just 76 farms had producers that identified as black or African-American. And that's out of almost 65,000 farms in the state. Um, And one thing I wanted to point out, um, there was a study last year by the American Economic Association um, that pointed out that black farmers have lost $326 billion in land between 1920 and 1997. And um, that kind of gets at this very painful history of discrimination um, that can impact some of the outreach for these programs. So um, back in the 1990s, um, uh, a large group of black farmers sued the USDA uh, saying that they had been discriminated against uh, when it comes to getting farm loans. And the USDA did settle that case, but people have raised a lot of concerns about whether the money was given um, was enough to help keep these farmers afloat. And also not a lot of them got debt relief. So it was, it was hard to keep farming. Um, And I think that's why we see such a decrease in uh, land owned by black farmers in that amount of time. And so, you know, this story, it didn't look specifically at whether black farmers are receiving EQIP and CSP grants at the same rates as other farmers. But of course, I think that would be really important to, to take a sharp eye to in the future. But my reporting partner, Erin Jordan, uh, who works at the Gazette in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, she did speak with a family near Lexington, Mississippi, um, whose application to get money for rotational grazing was denied earlier this year. And um, that family had pointed out, um, the, the daughter had pointed out that her father was denied those settlement funds in that um, 1990 case. And she was very hurt. And she said that it felt like history was repeating itself. And she also, you know, didn't get an answer from the NRCS about why her application didn't get funded. So she was left with some questions about how to proceed. So uh, we talked about some of the, uh, that funding might fix a lot of these issues, right? If there was money for uh, paying for the practices and cost sharing and for staff and things like that. And it seemed like that that 
was basically taken care of with the Inflation Reduction Act, which was one of the signature uh, uh, pieces of legislation in, in President Biden's first term. It promised about uh, $8.45 billion and $3 billion um, for EQIP and CSP. Um, doesn't that solve the problem? What's, uh, why are we still uh, concerned about whether that funding is actually going to get spent? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's a huge inflection uh, in cash into these programs. Um, I spoke with our state NRCS back in the spring, and uh, they had told me that, you know, this is really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get more farmers involved, get more projects funded. And uh, two of the women uh, who I spoke to for this story, who are farmers themselves, are just really, really excited about these programs and hoping that there'll be a lot of progress made in the next year with this cash infusion. Um, but yeah, there, as always, are some politics playing out uh, that we'll have to watch for. Um, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives uh, and Republicans in the House um, are looking at uh, repurposing that money to help pay for the farm bill. So that's a, a huge bill that governs all the programs and spending for the USDA. Um, it covers uh, nutrition programs as well as all of these farm programs and, and uh, conservation programs. Um, and uh, that expired in October. Uh, it runs for five years, um, but it expired this past October. Um, it needs to be renewed. And um, the chair of the House Agriculture Committee, uh, yeah, the chair of the House Agriculture Committee, uh, that's Glenn Thompson, he suggested cutting $50 billion, um, mostly to climate change and public nutrition programs to pay for other agriculture programs like crop insurance. So uh, the funding, I don't think, is really safe until that, that farm bill um, issue gets settled out. And we don't exactly know when that's going to happen. And the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is that, you know, even if this funding does go through, um, NRCS is going to have to hugely staff up to be able to get this money out the door. As I had mentioned earlier, they are understaffed at the moment, and so they are kind of on uh, a hiring spree at the moment, they've told me, to be able to staff up and be able to get these funds out. Um, so they're working on it, but um, it could potentially be a lot on their plate, even though it hopefully would ultimately result in, in some good, good news for farmers. All right, we've been speaking with Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Report for America Corps member Madeline Heim. Thank you so much for joining us on the 8 o'clock buzz. Thanks for having me.